Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little. I'm here today with the 181st episode of Weekly Poker Hand. That is a lot of weeks. I don't even know if anyone's here, still here listening to me, but hopefully you are. If you are, let me know on Twitter, at Jonathan Little. Otherwise, I guess I'll pack it up and be done. <laughs> All right, so here we're still playing the $10,000 six-handed tournament. This is the last hand of day one. So I've actually had a really good day one, because as you see, we started with, I believe, 30,000 chips. Maybe it was 40,000, one of the two. And now I have 128, 25,000. So we've quadrupled up or tripled up, which is fantastic for any tournament where you're playing against great opponents. And the $10,000 six-handed tournament of the World Series is one of the toughest. So last hand of the day, I make it 4,000 with pocket queens under the gun five-handed at 800, 1600 with a 200 ante out of 125,000 effective stack. A lot of people at this point, at the end of the day, get in their minds that they really don't want to go broke or they really don't want to lose a big pot. And that thought process is asinine. I know that's going to make a lot of people sad, make a lot of people offended. I'm sorry, it's true. The last hand of the day is irrelevant because you come back to the tournament the next day and you have whatever chips you have. It doesn't matter if you survive till, till day two. If anything... If you're trying to maximize your equity, you should actually be a little bit more aggressive on the last hand of the day and be more willing to bust. Because if you bust now, you can play the tournament on the next day. But of course, you should typically approach poker as I'm trying to maximize my equity in the tournament, not in my life ex expectation, although sometimes you should. And that should just lead you to treat this hand like any other. The only time you should be tighter towards the end of the day is when your table is particularly tough and the field proportionally is softer because like let's say you have a nine out of ten toughness table but the average toughness in the field is like let's say a five out of ten so you're you're at a nine out of ten in terms of toughness but the average is five out of ten well when you redraw tomorrow you'll have a five out of ten on average whereas here we have a nine out of ten and that should lead you to play tighter or at least just try to not make any sort of big blunder all right so anyway I don't really care about making day two or any of that. So here I raised to 4,000. A loose aggressive kid in the small blind makes it 12,500, which is great. I'm loving my hand with pocket queens. We are playing about 80 big blinds deep with this player. So can we profitably get it all in? And I would say we usually can. And if I was out of position in this hand, I would just get it all in. I would make it 30, 37,000, 40,000, something like that. However, given we're in position, I think we need to call. If you play around with a lot of the Game Theory Optimal poker solver, solvers, you will see that from in position, they're much more inclined to call with hands that are not aces, kings, and ace-king. And that's just because you're going to be able to play reasonably well. As opposed to the previous episode of Weekly Poker Hand, where we had tens out of position, um, here we have queens in position. So it's just a, a hand that's easier to get to the showdown with, and I'm going to be in position. So here I definitely should call, whereas in the previous episode, go back and watch or listen to that if you have not already, um, I should have been more inclined to re-raise. And if I had queens in the last episode, I probably would have re-raised and got it in, but I thought 10 was, 10s were probably just a hair too weak. So anyway, I like calling here, but I could certainly see re-raising being perfectly fine against really anyone besides the tightest opponents. And certainly we're not against the tightest opponents in a $10,000 tough tournament. So flop comes 10, five, three, two diamonds. I have the queen of diamonds. This is a great flop. I realistically only lose to pocket tens, which may not even three bet me. Maybe fives and threes, which may not three bet me. So, I mean, aces and kings as well. But we're, we're loving this spot. We, we beat almost everything. So I'm certainly not folding. Should I raise? <sighs> this is something I haven't really worked into my game. I have been watching some of the best players in the world, people who I respect, raising in this spot. And if they raise in the spot, they're just going with their hand, which may seem a little bit crazy. But 
what it amounts to is if your opponents have a hand like a 10, very often, if you can make them fold a 10 in the spot, that's great for your range. Not when you have queens, but imagine I'm sitting here with king-queen with the king of diamonds. If I can min-raise and make my opponent fold a, a 10, obviously that's just fantastic, right? So if you're going to start working in a lot of bluffs in this spot, you can start raising with many more hands for value to where now your opponent's like fist pump getting in with a 10, and now I can just snap them off of my queen. So I have not done a lot of this yet, but I could see raising here and just getting it in being perfectly acceptable. But uh, I think calling is what I would still do today just because I have not become that confident in the <laughs> play for all of your money anytime you get anything decent strategy. So I do just call. Pot goes up to 53,000. Turns a jack of spades, which is actually not what I want to see. What I want to see now is my opponent check, but he bets 25,000. So now we actually are playing for stacks. Not saying we're going to raise, but if I call, the pot's going to go up to 100,000. I'm only going to have 75,000 left. And if my opponent goes all in on the river, then we have to call it off, right? Um, I say we have to. We don't necessarily have to because now we lose to jacks and tens and aces and kings. So we lose to every reasonable pocket pair. We also lose to the jack 10 bluff, which I certainly think a lot of loose aggressive players could have. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty nasty spot. That said, a lot of loose aggressive kids, they'll just keep blasting with their ace kings and ace queens here. And he may even think a hand like ace jack has significant value. So I don't know what to do, but I'm, I can tell you I'm not folding in a $10,000 tournament against loose aggressive kids. <laughs> so I do call. River is a jack of hearts, which is pretty rough river. Now, if he has a jack, and, sh and now if he has a jack, he'll definitely shove. Whereas if he had a hand like ace jack or king jack or queen jack, he may just check the river previously and we'd get to see a cheap showdown. I guess that, that makes it more likely for me to call if the river was a brick. When it's a jack, I guess he's always going to bet the jacks now. So yeah, that, that can't be good for me because this takes one of the obvious value hands that he would play. Takes it out of his range. So if he bet the river, I think I would still call. And the reason I would still call is because I should have relatively few jacks when I call the flop, right? I would definitely fold ace jack and king jack and queen jack unless it was with a flush draw. Um, jack nine, if I had it, I would fold for sure. If I had jack 10, I would clearly call, but there aren't very many combinations of those. There's only one suited one remaining given the way the board ran out. So um, I should have very few jacks, right? So given I should have very few jacks, if my opponent thinks I'm going to be inclined to make somewhat big folds with a 10, he should certainly shove the river with all of his unpaired hands because he's going to make me fold out the vast majority of my range, right? Because I really shouldn't have too many aces, kings, queens, aces, kings, and queens, right? It's just hard to have aces, kings, and queens. So this is a pretty good spot for my opponent to bluff if he feels inclined to bluff, if he thinks I will fold big hands. Um, I already told you guys, I'm not folding big hands. <laughs> I do not. I, do, I don't make a habit of folding big hands against good players. And that's just because I know they're capable of bluffing. A lot of good players make a lot of money because their opponents fold too often. So how do you counteract someone who bluffs too often? Well, you call a little bit too often. And this is a good example where I probably would call too often. However, my opponent checks. I'm just going to check behind. There's no value in betting. If he has a 10, he's probably just going to fold. If he has um, ace-king, he's going to fold. If he has ace-queen, he's going to fold. So what am I going to get called by? I'm only going to get called by a 10, basically. I mean, even then, he's probably just going to fold a 10. So I definitely think I need to check back. If I had a lot of flush draws in my range, which I probably do, <laughs> I guess I should be value-betting value somewhat 
aggressively and I just went through the whole analysis why I don't have too many jacks and I don't have too many aces, kings, and queens, so I have a lot of tens. So if I have a lot of I mean these these queens could be one of the best hands in my range, is basically what I'm saying. So given that's the case, maybe I'm just supposed to value bet if I have any bluffs at all. But I just check. Take the passive route, check, check, and the opponent shows up with nine eight of hearts. So I think this is definitely a hand he should have bluffed with. It does not block me having ace king or ace queen. It doesn't block any of the flush draws. Notice that he could have, um, he could have, I mean, I'm sorry, I could have a lot of flush draws that got to the river with like ace high that just decide to chicken out and check back and then I lose. So this this hand my opponent has, I think it's about as clear of a bluff as you're going to get. And I think this was definitely a mistake for my opponent. That said, I already told you I'm going to call with this hand, so he would have doubled me up. So maybe it was just a good no bluff against me. And if you know your opponent's a calling station, which maybe he does, he should be more inclined to not take all of the bluffs that he can take. And, you know, if your opponent's a super calling station, I don't think I'm quite there. Like, I'm not calling with ace-king, right? But if your opponent's a super calling station, maybe you're supposed to take no bluffing spots and instead just go for really thin value with, like, pocket sevens. (laughs) Or any ten for sure. So uh, I, I don't think my opponents are thinking I really need to make some hyper adjustment to Jonathan Little because they think he's a fish. But maybe they are making adjustments like, okay, I tried to bluff twice when I bet twice he typically has something reasonable. And if he has something reasonable, he's going to be less inclined to fold. But I can promise you here I'm going to have some busted flush draws. And imagine if I have ace, I don't know, ace four of diamonds in this spot. If he bets the river, I'm just going to fold, right? If I have ace-king of diamonds, ace-queen of diamonds, I'm going to fold. If I floated the flop and the turn with ace-king or ace-queen, just getting a little frisky, I'm going to fold. If I have a hand like 10-9 suited and he jams the river, it sure is unfortunate. I don't know if I'm going to fold, but it's unfortunate, right? So I think this is a pretty great hand for my opponent to bluff, and he did not do it. So it's actually bad for me because I was going to call him this time, but uh, I just really want to highlight this hand because this is a spot where you kind of have to go for it. If you're going to take this line, if you're going to be playing aggressively like this from out of position, when you find spots where you have the essential nut low and you don't block any of the draws, and also a lot of my range is somewhat capped, although it's not really that capped, I guess, because I would just call the flop with sets. But if you think your opponent's range is anywhere near capped, you just have to go for it in this spot. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you all for being here. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jonathan Little. I'm not sure if anyone listens to this podcast anymore. So if you do, let me know on Twitter. (laughs) And if you listen on iTunes, please give a review. That would be very beneficial to me so that other people can find the podcast. And, uh, you know, leave a review wherever, wherever you listen to it. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to you next time.